Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burugun campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Please be seated everyone and good morning. It's good to be together again this morning. And great to be finishing our series in 1 John, which has been great, great series. This is our last message this morning on the topic, Knowing God. I don't know. I've been very blessed over these weeks, and I hope you have. And our subject for today is assurance. So assurance is the state of being confident, being certain, being absolutely sure about something. If we're assured about something, we are certain enough to not fear, not be anxious, to rest secure. If someone was to say to you, I give you my assurance that this will happen, you ought to know that it will definitely be the case. Although, of course, we all know it largely depends on who says those words. Many people are known to be overly optimistic and promise things they can't do. Or maybe people outrightly lie. Others say what they know we want to hear. Maybe if your children were to say, rest assured, I assure you these dishes will be done by the morning. (laughs) I wonder how confident you may may be about what they've said. Maybe more confident than why I would have been. The assurance we are speaking about today, though, is based on the words of the scriptures about the word. Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God. In this conclusion to the letter, John wants his listeners to live with the confidence and assurance of eternal life. The message puts it this way. My purpose in writing is simply this, that you who believe in God's Son will know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life. As humans, we're so prone to doubt. And now John, probably in his 90s, an older man, I won't say an old man, because I know we've got a few 90-year-olds amongst us, and I don't want to offend them. He wants to reassure these people. He wants to give them confidence. He's perhaps the only surviving apostle at this stage, And he wants this new generation of Christians to live with the steadfast assurance and confidence in God that he has. In this book of John, this first letter of John, the word groups surrounding the Greek word to know occur really frequently. And in chapter 5, seven times more frequently than almost any other New Testament chapter. John is not advocating an I hope so, or an I think so faith, but an I know so faith. Not an arrogant, proud knowing, but a humble, self-assured knowing as we put our faith in Jesus. He says, this is from the NRV, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So what difference does it make to have this sort of assurance? Well, imagine a bridge. 
Let's consider two people, have the next slide, thanks. Let's consider two people walking across the same bridge. The bridge is strong and can hold several hundred people. One of the two knows the bridge is very strong and will hold them easily. So they cross the bridge without a worry in the world, looking around, taking in the surroundings, enjoying things along the way, thinking of others and life beyond themselves. Yes, there will be the occasional rough patches, but their disposition is predominantly one of joyfulness and peace with the confident assurance that they will get to the other side. But the other person is not assured of the bridge's safety rating. What if the bridge crumbles while I'm on it, they think? What if a flood suddenly sweeps down the river and carries me away? The person is fearful, anxious, nervous. They have no peace and no joy. They may choose to go back or they may get across as the other person did, but the journey was joyless. The fear paralyzes them from thinking about others and enjoying all there was as they went on their way. As followers of Jesus, maybe we reach the same destination. But the journey can be one of joyful assurance and fruitfulness or one of fear and doubt and worry. John is wanting us to live in the confidence and the unshakable certainty of the truth especially when we're going through difficult times. Such assurance enables a life of gratitude, of praise, of worship, of obedience, of peace, of joyful service, of outward-looking love, of patience, of perseverance, of courage, and so on. So our reading today is from 1 John chapter 5, verses 5 to 15. If you've got your Bibles, you can read along, or otherwise you can read from the screens. So let's read, um, starting from chapter, from chapter 5, verses 5 to 16. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater, because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Amen.
So what is the basis of our assurance in eternal life? What is John telling us through these verses? Firstly, it is truth. This assurance needs to be soundly grounded in truth. False assurance is not assurance at all. Many people live all their lives happily trusting in themselves. They live so preoccupied with the present that they don't have or allow themselves time to think beyond the immediate. Have you ever been to a funeral where there's no mention of God? After the funeral, there's often this sort of awkward joking in the midst of sometimes a great party, and you hear words like, at least they're in a better place, with no thought to the basis of that thinking. John is not advocating this type of pie-in-the-sky assurance. There's a rationality about the assurance that John is giving us. He's advocating an assurance based in truth. Last week, Mick spoke about truth. If you weren't here, I encourage you to go and listen to it on the podcast. He said that Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, came in flesh, that he was fully human and fully divine, and that we can know that truth by the Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit does not just make truth about Jesus knowing, known, but makes Jesus the truth of God known to us. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Our assurance is in the truth about Jesus and in Jesus himself. I've always had a pretty sensitive conscience. When something goes wrong, maybe a conflict, maybe in our family or something, my initial response is often, what did I do wrong? What haven't I done that I could have done? Many times Simon says to me, everything that goes wrong is not your fault. <laughs> my sensitive conscience played out in my lack of assurance in my early Christian days. I was passionate about Jesus when I first accepted Jesus. I was so passionate and often attended Christian events, which at that time were more than likely those fire and brimstone type preaching events. I don't know whether any of you went to them. Or those graphic movies about being left behind when the Lord comes. <laughs> and I was always so scared. What if I'd missed out on asking for forgiveness for one sin? What if I had done something that I'd completely forgotten about? What if I hadn't prayed the sinner's prayer well enough? So my sensitive conscience always was shown out by the inevitable altar call at the end of the night. I thought it was always worth responding again, just in case. I wonder if the Guinness Book of Records has a record for the person who's responded to the sinner's prayer the most in their life. I was a Christian, but I didn't have that assurance. I don't know whether anybody else was like that. Assurance came as my focus moved from my response, which would always, always be inadequate, to, to a focus to the one to whom I was responding, Jesus, the Son of God, the truth. There was still a faith response required, but my assurance and freedom came with a deepening understanding of the truth of God revealed in Jesus. Jesus revealed the extent of the love and grace of God 
And assurance is based on knowing how loved we are. John says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us on a cross. So the cross is secondly foundational to our assurance. John writes in these verses we read, This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. We've heard in past weeks that John was counteracting the lies of false prophets and false teachings. And by his emphasis of water and blood, the water speaking of his life in the flesh and the blood speaking of Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross, John is making another correction. There were those saying the divinity of God left Jesus before he died on the cross. How could God die on a cross? John is saying, no, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came in the flesh and Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died a sinless death on the cross on our behalf. The baby in the manger and the man on the cross is Jesus, the Son of God, the Saviour of the world, who conquers death and gives life to those who believe. Only God in human flesh could offer an acceptable sacrifice for the sin of the world. Our assurance is founded on Jesus, the Son of God, who made the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf. The proof of that is in the resurrection. Death could not hold him. That is what gives us life. Our assurance is based on an event that happened some 2,000 years ago on a hill about 20 minutes' walk from downtown Jerusalem. John was an eyewitness of that event and said, The life appeared. We, I, have seen it and testified to it. And I proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We cannot save ourselves. It is the life of Jesus laid down in self-giving love for the world that enables sinners like you and me to know forgiveness, restored relationship with God and new life in Christ. The only way for us to live was for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to die. The gospel gives us the basis for a full assurance of salvation now because it's by Christ's work and not ours and it's already been done. Tim Keller says, The great basis of Christian assurance is not how much our hearts are set on God, but how unshakably his heart is set on us, revealed most, of course, in the cross. We live in an era when both the incarnation and the work of the cross is continually questioned. At the two main Christian celebrations, Jesus has been subtly replaced by a jolly old man and a rabbit. Of course, the secular culture has affected the contemporary church in so many ways, which is one reason why we see the church going through a crisis of confidence in the gospel and therefore a crisis of assurance. We must remain confident 
in the gospel. But it's not just knowing about the historical Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit who thirdly affirms to us the truth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. John says, it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water and the blood, and the three are in agreement. The truth of Jesus Christ and what he has done becomes our personal testimony. The one who believes in, puts their trust in, the Son of God as Saviour through his coming in the flesh and his dying a sinful death on the cross has the testimony within himself by the Spirit. We can know God within us. That is so amazing. We just repeat the word so often without recognising what that means. You may not understand it all, may not be able to explain it all. I don't think anybody can, but you know it's true. You might come to it gradually or like a bolt of lightning, but you know Jesus died for you. That is the witness of the Spirit. The Spirit of God witnesses to the testimony of God. And the testimony of God is that Jesus has done all that is required. John testified, but he also said that greater than his testimony is God's testimony about his son. And he said, this is the testimony of God. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He, does, he who does not have the Son does not have life. God's point of view expressed in the historical life of Jesus and kept alive in the witness of the Spirit must win the day. This is the testimony of Jesus. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. That's from John 5, 24. Jesus prayed these words to his Father. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, who you have sent. God's testimony is this. If we have the Son, that is, if we believe in the Son and what he's done on our behalf, we have the gift of life. His eternal life. It is a gift to be possessed now in the present by the Holy Spirit. To believe God's testimony about his son redefines our whole life. We enter into the life of God that begins in the present and goes on into eternity. Though we still live in a world of sin and death and decay, Christ's life is in us and can never be destroyed or taken away because he has overcome death. Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. This was the basis of the Apostle Paul's assurance when he said, For I am convinced, absolutely sure, that neither death nor life, 
neither angels, neither demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, including coronavirus and all that's happened in, over this year, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because the love of God demonstrated in Christ Jesus our Lord and in his death is proof of his unconquerable love. It was this assurance that enabled Paul to say, if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Before Jesus ascended, he promised the Holy Spirit saying, surely, that is, be assured, I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is until the end of this present age when he returns. The Holy Spirit in us is God's first instalment of the gift of eternal life. He has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. That's from 2 Corinthians 5.5. 5. When you make your first payment on a car or a home, you are pledging that you will return with the remaining payments until the debt is gone. The gift of the Spirit is God's first instalment to us of his promise that we and the whole creation will one day be utterly and completely redeemed as we enjoy eternal life in the new heaven and the new earth. This same John, not long after he'd written these words, while exiled on the island of Patmos, had this vision and he writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. As we wait for his promised return and this fulfilment, faith is what gives us assurance to our hopes. It is what gives us conviction about these things we cannot yet fully see. We live by faith in the reliability of God and his unchanging self. But of course, we all know this sort of assurance is not without occasional doubts and anxieties. Jesus' earliest disciples, who actually saw Jesus in the flesh, still doubted at times. Doubts and changing emotions are a normal part of everyone's lives, and particularly a part of this last year for many of us, with so many unknowns. Feelings are important. But even when we don't feel his work or see things that we'd hoped for, our assurance is still based in his unchanging promises. We stand on the truth as revealed in scripture and we need to lean in more and more to this truth, to keep hearing the truth, keep encouraging one another and being encouraged. There's a great picture in Graham's office. We've got a screen here. It has the text of the whole of John's Gospel in tiny, tiny print. You can hardly see it, but all those little marks are the text of the whole of the Gospel in miniature, miniature print. 
But the text stands behind an image of the Lord Jesus, the Son of God. And we look to the word, but the truth of the word stands behind and points us to the truth. Our assurance is in Jesus, the Son of God. And we need to keep looking to the word, but let those words, the text of the words, point us to Jesus, the Son of God, wherein lies our assurance. Most of us know something about the man John Wesley. He grew up in a Christian home. He went to Oxford. He was ordained an Anglican minister. At Oxford, he joined a society somewhat mockingly known as the Holy Club, whose members took vows to lead holy lives. They took communion once a week, they prayed daily, they visited prisons regularly and spent three hours every afternoon studying the Bible and other devotional material. As a young Anglican minister, Wesley boarded a ship on which he was the chaplain to go and serve as a pastor in Georgia. The ship hit terrible weather and was in serious trouble and Wesley feared for his life. But he noticed a group of German Moravians on their way also to preach to American Indians. And notice they were not afraid at all. Through the storm, they sang calmly. He asked the leader about their lack of fear. And he responded with a question, did he, Wesley, have faith in Christ? Wesley said he did, but later reflected, I fear they were vain words. Sometime later, a bitter Wesley returned to England after the ministry he'd gone to in Georgia failed. After speaking with another Moravian, Wesley concluded that he lacked the assurance of saving faith. He continued to try to be good, but remained frustrated. The problem with not having assurance is that we try to earn that assurance by doing things or trying to be holier than thou. On May the 24th, 1738, he had that famous experience that I'm sure we've all heard of that changed everything. And this is what he wrote in his journal. In the evening, I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street where someone was reading Luther's preface to the epistle to the Romans. About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. It was with this Holy Spirit conviction that John Wesley lived the rest of his life and had such an impact on the world. So what is the benefit of assurance? Assurance leads to a confidence in God in life and in death, a thankfulness. We know who we are now and eternally as children of God. And it leads to a confidence in prayer for ourselves and for others. John says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. These verses are often quoted to claim a new car, 
a Porsche, I'm sure, a new house or whatever we want. Of course, God gives every kind of good gift. But if we consider the context of John's word, take, take that seriously, I'm sure John has much greater, more eternal, more wonderful things in mind to ask of God, such as, Lord, grant me the confidence and assurance in your promise of eternal life so I can live for you. Help me comprehend how great is the love the Father has lavished on me. Help me to trust in you, Jesus, through this hard time. Help me lay down my life in sacrificial love for others. Help me hear your voice of truth. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Let the victory of the death on, of, on the cross be worked out in my life. Give me courage. Protect me from untruth. And to ask these same things for those we love and others that we come in contact with. These are the things that are most important in life. And we know they're according, uh, uh, according to his will. So we can be assured that he hears us and will answer these prayers. Stephen Whitmer, in his book, Eternity Changes Everything, says, Knowing Jesus makes all the difference for our future. And knowing our future makes all the difference for our present. He says we should be restlessly patient. Restless because we know we are not what we shall one day be. That the world is not as it should be. Longing to see more of God's grace known in the present, in our lives and the lives of others. Praying for his kingdom to come more and more on earth as in heaven. But we should also be patient because we know our future is secure in a God who loves us. So let me finish with a story about the hymn writer Fanny Crosby. She wrote around 9,000 hymns unbelievably, including the hymn, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. She knew the assurance of Jesus and his promises. The focal message of her hymns was the work of Christ on the cross. Her early life was marked by tragedy when at just six weeks of old, at six weeks of age, she lost her sight due to medical malpractice. Instead of cursing this loss, this is what she said. <clears throat> the blindness in this temporary life was the greatest blessing the Creator ever bestowed on me. Because when I get to heaven, the first face that shall ever gladden my sight will be that of Christ, my Saviour. So let us also draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's pray together. Will you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your beautiful, most powerful name. Thank you for everything you have done on our behalf. In Christ alone, our eternal hope is found. 
We thank you for that hope that we can have in you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we pray for those who may never have believed in you, who have never comprehended your love for them. If that's you, I encourage you to accept God's forgiveness, to accept the offer of his life. Say, yes, I need you, Lord. I cannot do this life alone. Forgive me for thinking that I ever could. For those who know you as Lord but lack the assurance of eternal life, I pray for a greater knowing of who you are, Lord, for what you've done, everything you've done. I pray for that Holy Spirit assurance. Lord, would you make yourself known? Would you make yourself known in new freedom in Christ? Lord, I pray for the sick and the struggling, those who are going through troubles, those who need an extra measure of your assurance. Grant them that, we pray. May faith arise so they know you will be with them always so they know that nothing can separate them from the love of God. Give your peace that passes all understanding. And for us all, Lord, help us to live with the confidence and faith that our life is secure in you, both now and forevermore. We pray for those who don't know you, for family and friends. Use us to make you, Jesus, known. Holy Spirit, Help us know when and what to say. We worship you, our King, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you are our Lord. We stand in awe of you and what you've done for us. And we just give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.